Well, we will be continuing on this morning in our study of Acts chapter 2. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. And I'll give you a little warning here that this study is about 50 minutes long. So hang in there. I don't normally go this long, but we've studied up through verse 11 last week of Acts chapter 2. So we'll be starting in verse 12 this morning. But just to set the scene and to stay within the context, let's go back and start reading from verse 1. So again, we're in Acts chapter 2. And starting in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred... The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So here again, we see that the Holy Spirit has come upon the believers and, and they are taking the wonderful works of God to the streets under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked last week how, about how they were obedient to the instructions of the Lord. And they gathered in one accord to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. You see, even today, we should not expect the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us if we are not obedient to the word of the Lord and waiting upon Him. You see, waiting upon the Lord means to just take time in His presence focused on Him in prayer and reading His Word, setting that time aside to be focused on the Lord. You see, so many people today want the power of the Lord in their lives without the commitment. But that's not what we're seeing with these believers here. You know, in Revelation 3, I see a a picture that describes many of us today as followers of Christ, much of the body of Christ today. And I'll have you go ahead and mark this page here in the book of Acts. And and go ahead and turn all the way to the back of your Bibles to the book of Revelation. And we'll look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And uh, we will go ahead and we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, And the... And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, 
These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief in the night, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. So, you know, as I, as I read this, it really hits home for me. You see, to say I am a follower of Jesus Christ is to have a name that says I'm alive. I'm alive spiritually, right? But I need to be mindful of how I received and how I heard that name, Jesus Christ. Do you realize that if you say you are a Christian, the world around you looks at you a little different? What does it mean to say you are a follower of Jesus Christ? How does this play out in your everyday life? If you name Jesus as your Lord, then you have taken his name and you've put it out in front of you in a sense, right? If you're naming him as your Lord, you're saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, right? But we can't do this and then walk around as if we're spiritually dead. And it says there in verse 3 that we should remember how we have received and heard, hold fast and repent, right? So keep in mind how you received and heard. You see, at some point in time, there was a a change that took place in your heart. Or there should have been, right? If you're professing to be Christian. You began at that point to, to turn the eyes of your heart off of yourself and off of this world and put your eyes onto the things of the Lord. Your heart came to a place of understanding God's love and God's grace and you received it. But at that point, something happened, or again, it should have, and that is that you were born again. And old things had passed away, and behold, all things became new. So you now go through this life in a different way, in the name of Jesus, right? And as the body of Christ, we are to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and living our lives led by the Holy Spirit. Like the church of Sardis here in Revelation Three, we need to be careful that we are not just gathering together Sunday after Sunday and have a name that says we are alive, but in reality are dead to the things that God wants us to do. And we all have to examine ourselves in this way from time to time. Because we can, if we're not careful, be like it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of the Word of God in verse 5 where it says, where we have a form of godliness but deny its power. When we cry out to the Lord to search us and know us, He will be faithful to do so. And I would encourage you this morning to do just that. Be ready for what you might find out about yourself, though, when you do. But cry out to the Lord and ask Him to search you and to know you. Examine yourselves as to whether you're truly walking in the faith or not. But be ready for the fact that the Lord will do a work in you as you diligently seek Him. 
And as we turn back now to Acts chapter 2, these followers of Jesus, they had set themselves apart, didn't they? They were in this upper room praying and seeking God, and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then they went out and they began to tell of the wonderful works of God. Because the streets were full of people that needed to hear, right? And our streets and our world are full of people that need to hear of Jesus Christ and of the wonderful works that He has done in your heart. But again, if you're spiritually dead, no one will ever know these wonderful works that God has done in your your heart because you've turned away from them yourself. But verse 12 says, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, They are full of new wine. Now, before I go on here and read verse 14, I want to pause for just a quick second because verse 14 is a pivotal verse here. Because no matter what the world around us is saying, we must testify of the Lord. And verse 14 says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall see dreams. Or excuse me, shall dream dreams. So you see, by the power of God's Spirit at work within them, these believers were testifying of Jesus Christ. How do we know that that is what they were doing? Well, because Jesus told them before he ascended back into heaven that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them and that they would be witnesses of him. But all these believers are speaking in all these different languages and the people couldn't understand how these Galileans were doing this. So they mocked them and they said they were drunk. But Peter stood up and explained to them that the things that were happening were prophesied. And we have that in our Old Testament book of Joel. And here again, if you today are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power of His Holy Spirit and you have a message to proclaim, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And the message is good news, of course, which is what the word gospel means. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And He's coming again someday. This is the message that people need to know. They need to know that there is salvation no other way. There's eternal salvation no other way. Under No other name under heaven has been given whereby men can be saved, right? There is an abundant life in no other name. There is peace. There is hope in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Peter continues explaining what has taken place here as he goes on in verse 18. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great 
and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, what's taking place here is that something new is beginning. Peter is speaking in verses 19 and and 20 of things that will happen in the future. And from now on, he is saying there in verse 21 that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So for the followers of Jesus, this marked a new beginning. It's no longer going to be about following the law. It's no longer going to be about their religion. It's now going to be about believing in Jesus, being born again of the Spirit, as Jesus said that we need it to be in John chapter 3. The followers of Jesus that we are now reading about have a mission, and they have the power to fulfill that mission. And that work that began back then is still going on today. The Holy Spirit is empowering believers to spread the gospel to every nation under heaven. It takes place in this Bible study. And it can take place wherever you go. If you'll just allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God and to be used by the Spirit of God. And it takes just a step of faith to begin doing that. To step out and use your calling. And don't care about what others think. Don't care about what others say. You are a servant of the Lord, the Most High God. You see, believers in Jesus today, we we live in a a temporary body, a temporary house, right? A, 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 A temporary apartment, wherever you may live physically, I'm saying, right? We live in a temporary body in a, a temporary house or apartment, wherever you may live, right? A temporary country. And we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can take the message of whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved to the streets of our nation, right? To the people around us. But once again, without the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, we are powerless to do so. Just like it was in Jerusalem that night, all those years ago, right? The festivities of the world are happening right outside of our doors. We either choose to become a part of this world and we bury the name of Jesus Christ, or we choose to be not of this world and we profess the name of Jesus Christ. The followers of Jesus on the day of Pentecost here, they had this same choice. But you see, we can't serve two masters, can we? If we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives today, then maybe we need to ask ourselves why. Are we straddling the fence? Are we of the world? Or are we not of the world? You see, we need to evaluate whether we are walking in the Spirit or not. Turn to the book of 2 Corinthians in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It's to the right of where we are here now after Romans. You'll find first and then 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And let's go ahead and read verses 4 and 5. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, 
but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So, you see, as the Corinthians were challenged by the Apostle Paul here, we are challenged by the Word of God here as well to examine ourselves today. And you know, of course, Jesus is our great example. He lived by the power of God. He was crucified in weakness. And you and I are weak. We must prayerfully seek God and become set apart from this world in in order to know the power of the Holy Spirit and ultimately God's will for our lives, right? We want to know God's will. See, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that everyone is has the gift of evangelism, right? Not everyone has the same gifts and callings. But yet we are all called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people around us in our lives. You know, we talked about last week, um, but God does have a will for each one of our lives, doesn't he? You were born to glorify the Father in heaven, and you can be used by God in a way that is unique to you. In other words, his specific calling for you. I, for one, am not the kind of guy that will stand on a street corner and, and shout, right? But I love when the Holy Spirit opens up an opportunity for me to reach out to someone with God's love, and I'm always looking for that opportunity. You see, but the one that empowers us for service is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. You see, we can praise and worship the Lord all day, every day. We can shut ourselves up in buildings and houses and play worship music and sing and dance if we want. But in order to go out and tell of the wonderful works of the Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, some time back I was watching a video of a, of a famous, you know, praise and worship team and, uh, in concert, right? And it was amazing, the, the sea of people in the crowd. You know, and all their hands are raised and waving. And, but as I was watching, I was thinking to myself, are these people impacting the world outside of this concert? Will they leave this place? Will they flood out to the streets and tell of the wonderful works of the Lord? Because if not, then, well, they're really not empowered by the Holy Spirit there, are they? They're having just an emotional experience. Nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. It's wonderful to gather and to worship the Lord in song. It's a good thing. But I'm talking about what impact we have on the world around us. Because you see, the salvation of souls is at the very heart of the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 29, the Lord spoke of a people. And he said, these people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips but have removed their hearts far from me. So we need to be extra cautious that that verse of Scripture does not describe us. Again, it's Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, speaks of a people that draw near with their mouths and honor the Lord with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. And we got to be careful that we don't just fall into 
and emotional Christianity, but that we are led by the power of the Holy Spirit and we are reaching out to the world around us in love. You see, there's a real big difference between seeking the power of the Holy Spirit for our own benefit and seeking the power of the Holy Spirit for the benefit of others. Many people have fallen into the trap of conjuring up things, right? And saying that it is the Holy Spirit. We've even seen churches with barking like dogs or laughing uncontrollably and such things. You know, things like that, right? Did did you ever see Jesus do that? Didn't Jesus himself say that the Holy Spirit will bring us into remembrance of all that he said and did? You see, when we're under the power of the Spirit, we're going to go out in the power of the Spirit and we're going to be witnesses for Jesus. That's what we're going to be. You know, the religious people piously accuse Jesus of hanging out with sinners. But that's because he did hang out with sinners. But he didn't hang out with sinners to be like them. He hung out with them to tell them of God's love for them. He came to seek and to save to save the lost, right? And every person on the face of this earth needs to know that that God, the, the only true God, the creator of all that is, they need to know that God loves them. And the Holy Spirit can use you to be the hands and the feet of the Lord today if you are willing to do so. Now, obviously, I'm speaking to Christians. I'm speaking to those that profess the name of the Lord. If you may listen to this teaching someday via the Internet or in some other way, and you don't know the Lord at all, well, then you need to come to that place in your own life. You need to hear what I'm teaching others to go out and, and tell, tell people to do, right? Or tell people about, and that is Jesus Christ. You need to know that Jesus loves you. You need to know that God loves you, the, the creator of all that is. If you look at the things around you, you look at the, the sun and the sky, the moon and the stars, and you look at the trees and all of that, there was a creator. And that creator also created human beings, And those human beings were put in a place, the Garden of Eden, where he provided everything for them that they needed. But they chose the way of sin. And he loved them enough to give them a choice because he didn't want robots. He didn't want slaves. These were people that were created in the image of God. So they were free to choose. And of course, mankind chose the way of sin. And still to this day, mankind goes on in the way of sin. But then God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever would believe on him would not perish and have everlasting life. And this is the message that you need to hear if you've not come to Christ. And that what it takes is for you to repent of trying to live this life on your own. Repent of living in the ways of sin. And turn to God. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Commit your way to him. Acknowledge him. Surrender your life to Him and desire to know His will for your life and begin to live in that will. Because He's done everything He can to make this possible for you, that you may have eternal life with Him in heaven someday, that we may get back to that place, that wonderful place, where the tree of life will be, as you'll see in the book of Revelation when we get there. there, The tree of life will be there. And we will ever live 
with our Lord and our God throughout all eternity. But as we move on now, back in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, there said that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this time in biblical history, like I said, marked a new beginning. As a result of what happened on uh, the day of Pentecost here, the message of salvation began to go forth in all the world. From that time on up until this present day, the same thing still exists. We're still living in the last days where whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is long-suffering and He's waiting for, for you to come and to turn to Him. And again, for you, Mr. or Miss Christian, who's out there, He's waiting for you to get up in the power of the Holy Spirit and share the gospel with people that as many can be saved as possible. And Peter is still speaking here. And he's under the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's testifying about Jesus to all these people. And in verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So Peter here kind of hits them right between the eyes, doesn't he? He tells them that Jesus was approved by God, and they crucified him. But God raised him up, because death couldn't hold him down. You see, Peter is simply speaking here of the wonderful works of the Lord. Jesus was crucified, and our sin is the reason that He was crucified. We needed a Savior. Sin had condemned us to an eternal separation from God. But Jesus went to the cross willfully, and without sin Himself, He was able to set us free and present to us an eternity in the presence of God. And why is it that verse 24 says that death couldn't hold him? Well, Romans 3.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus didn't sin, right? So he had no appointment with death, but yet he took our sin upon himself, didn't he? And that is why he, was a, he died for our sin. But death couldn't hold him because he didn't deserve death. Like the rest of us, there was no cause for him to die. The only reason for Jesus was to die was for you to me, for you and me to have eternal life. So he took all of our sin. Right? He didn't have to die, but he did die for you. So now when a person has received the free gift of salvation, they now have a work to do. You see, the work for you and me is to tell the world of his love, show the world his love, and take his love out to the world. He is alive and he is coming again. And many do not know that simple message of salvation. Many know of religion and they know of hip, hypocritical Christianity, but not many know of the relationship that they themselves can have with Jesus. You know, 
there's a many billboards around at this point in time that say uh, Jesus is coming back. You know, around Arizona here, there's some billboards up, and the bill, the billboards around here now say that the Bible guarantees it. And thousands upon thousands of people have seen these billboards. And you know, they're going to shake their heads at the ridiculousness of those Bible-believing people because it's not going to happen on May 22nd, like these billboards say. You see, people need someone today to come alongside of them and bring them the real truth of the Word of God. You see, the world needs Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am, and we don't let them know, right? if we don't allow God to use us in our everyday lives by the power of His Holy Spirit, then I believe that we have fallen victim to having a form of godliness but denying its power. But I also believe that if we, like these disciples, would just take time to wait on the Lord, in other words, again, spend time in His presence for a specific purpose, a specific purpose of crying out to God for the power of His Holy Spirit to be His witnesses. I believe that we would receive it, and I believe that we would be able to go forth into the world and tell of His wonderful works. It seems, though, that something has lulled the body of Christ to sleep. And I don't know what that is for you, but as for me, I want to be used more and more by God in these last days. You know, that's whether I have one day of life left or 30 more years left. I know of God's love. I've experienced God's love personally. And I think it's a shame if I keep it to myself. But Peter here is testifying to this crowd about Jesus. And he goes on here in verse 25 to quote from Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. And he says, for David says concerning him. So hold on a second, right? So who is David speaking of here? The Lord, right? Notice the the capital H on the word him there. I'm reading from the New King James like I teach from here. But David says, for uh, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence." So, even though David wrote this, what I just read, and he was talking about Jesus from a prophetical standpoint, it is Jesus speaking in that psalm. And even though Jesus died on the cross, he still remained the Holy One, and his body was not going to see corruption. And the interesting thing about Peter speaking all of this is that now that he has been filled with the Holy Spirit, He is having scriptures come to his mind. And we too need to know the scriptures. And when the Holy Spirit puts us in a place where we need to witness to someone, like Peter is doing here in Acts chapter 2, he, the Holy Spirit that is, will bring scriptures to our remembrance as well. The Lord doesn't want us to go out and witness 
to people powerless. He wants us empowered with His Word. You see, God's Word is a living Word. And it's the only Word that has the power to change a person's heart. The Scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament, they testify of Jesus. And the Lord wants us to share the truth of His Word. However, however much of it you know, that's how much you can share. But the more you study, the more you will find yourself approved in the Word of God. So Peter here stepped forward and he started testifying. And the Spirit was leading him in doing so. And he goes on in verse 29, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So he says, Hey guys and girls, this scripture I just quoted to you can't be talking about David because he's dead and buried. David's body saw corruption in the grave. Okay, verse 30, therefore, ha- therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. So you see, according to the flesh, Jesus came from the line of King David, right? Verse 31, he, King David, that is right, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So you see that prophecy in Psalm 68 that Peter quoted was specifically speaking of the fact that Jesus would rise from the dead. This Jesus, verse 32 says, God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, there are a couple things here that I want to point out. And in verse 32, Peter says that we are witnesses of this Jesus that God raised up from the dead. Peter is saying to these guys and and women here that their lawless hands crucified him and put him to death. But we are here to tell you that he is alive and well. And not only that, in verse 33, Peter goes on to say that Jesus is now exalted to the right hand of God and received the promise of the Holy Spirit and and has poured out the Holy Spirit, and that's why you are seeing what you're seeing now, he's telling the crowd, right? Jesus, the risen Lord, he's alive and well. And by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, he still, even to this day, draws people to the truth of his word. Peter continues on in verse 36 and says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So it says that this crowd of people here were cut to the heart. You see, first of all, they're amazed that all the followers of Jesus are speaking to them in their own language. And they just heard Peter speak powerfully to them and quoting the Psalms. And this all went deep within them. Their hearts were pricked. And I know that if we today would just diligently seek the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit and go out to the people of this world and speak their language and take the truth of the Scriptures to them, 
we will see their hearts impacted as well. A couple years back, the Lord placed something on my heart. And I don't know if this will make any sense to you or not, but it it had to do with uh, what the Lord placed in my heart and called a quiet revival. And what that meant to me was just reaching people with the love of God in a personal way. No fanfare, no pomp and circumstances, no big show. He just put it on my heart just to be available to reach people where they are. And I have seen him do this in my life. For me, part of it is doing Bible studies like I do, right? But part of it's reaching out to those that are hurting. And the Lord puts people in my path that are hurting. And I reach out to them and I, and I bring to them the love of God found in his word. But you know, each one of us has the ability to speak to someone else around us the love of God, the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, the wonderful works of God, the things that He's done in your own life. But we must first seek Him. And we must be a truthful people. Yes, it is true that whoever calls on the name of the Lord can come to Christ. And yes, it's true that it's a free gift, but it also must be preceded by repentance. Look at verse 38. Peter says, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter and these other 119 or so followers of Jesus had already experienced what they were preaching to this crowd. They had repented, and now the baptism of the Holy Spirit has come upon them. Unfortunately, I think that there has been a watered-down gospel preached in many cases today. It's a gospel that forgets about the repentance, the need for repentance. It forgets about the fact that people need to turn from their sinful ways. right? And it forgets about the Holy Spirit. It just says, hey, just come believe in Jesus. And then that's it. That seems to be the extent of it for many people. And then they just go out and live however they want to live and do whatever they want to do and seek after whatever they want to seek after. And not doing what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, well, maybe that's why we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit at work today, because we don't see repentance. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for us today as well. It wasn't just for the day of Pentecost. We're still living in the last days. Jesus hasn't come back, so the gospel still needs to be preached. People can still be saved. And verse 39 says, For the promises to you and to your children, and to all who afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So, do we know the power of the Holy Spirit? Do our children know? Will our grandchildren know? We are not going to know this power if we're part of the world, right? If we're of the world. You see, there are things that God has prepared for us that we will only know by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you something in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go ahead and turn there. Again, it's to the right of the book of Acts. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. After Romans. First Corinthians 2 verse 9. It says, I has not seen, 
nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You see, only God knows what he has planned for you. I don't know your heart and you don't know mine. But verse 10 there tells us that, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So you see, the Holy Spirit knows the things of God. And the Holy Spirit reveals those things to us. Verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You see, right there it says, that we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So then, how can we live like the world and expect to know the power of God? We can't. We need to be spiritually minded. Our natural man cannot know the things of the spirit of God. Verse 13, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of of Christ. Now, let me ask you something here. Is this how you live? Verse 13 tells us that we are to be learning not the things which man's wisdom teaches, but the things which the Holy Spirit teaches. You know, many people in the body of Christ today who proclaim to know Jesus, they have their Bible teachers, their favorite Bible teachers. And of course, I'm not knocking Bible teachers. I am a Bible teacher. But yet they lift up man and they lift up a pastor and they put him in a position and they act like that man's oh so wise. And and that man, you know, is where, where I get everything I need from. But the Bible teaches that it's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. Okay, so you need to be careful of that. And I always warn people that I teach not to just take what I say and run with it. Study the Word of God for yourself. See, when we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have the mind of Christ. But if we're just going along with the flow of this world, you know, if we're just, you know, listening to this and listening to that and never listening to the Holy Spirit, we're going to be spiritually powerless. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 2. And let's uh, look at verse 40. Peter speaking says, And with many other words, or it says of Peter here, right? And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. See what Peter's proclaiming here? Come out. Be separate. Don't live like the rest of the world. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the power of God. 
Verse 41 says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So you see, only the Holy Spirit can do something like that. Cut people to the heart. But they had to hear the truth, didn't they? You see, we can hold church today. We can build buildings. And we can try all we want to do this or to do that. But without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us as individuals, we will never see anything like this that we see happening here. But these folks, like it says there, gladly received the word. That's the key. You see, many people don't like to hear these kind of teachings that I do, you know, where you just go through the word like this. They want other things, you know. They want things that make them feel good or, you know, they want this or that. But I do this because I believe in the power of the word of God because it changed my life, you know. And this is my calling to do it in this way. But I believe in the power of the word of God. And I believe that as we see the Word of God like this, as we're studying it even this morning, it cuts us to our hearts and it changes us from the inside out. But we must respond to it. And verse 42 tells us that these people, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. In other words, they stayed the course after that. They kept living the life. And these are the kind of things that we should desire, if we're led by the Holy Spirit, we should desire to fellowship around like-minded believers. We should be desiring sound doctrine. We should be breaking bread with one another. We should be praying. We should be seeking the Lord. When we gather together, it shouldn't be for the purpose of entertainment. It should, should be for the purpose of seeking the Lord. And then the work of the Holy Spirit will have a tremendous impact on the lives of people around us when they see this, because verse 43 says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now that word fear there is like saying a sense of awe came over them. That's what happened. They were in amazement at what was taking place. Verse 44, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So the Holy Spirit had so empowered these believers that they wanted to stick close together. The early church was being established. And most of these believers were from other nations like we saw in in this chapter earlier, right? And there was a reason for them to be all together. You see, this was the foundation of the church, the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit had a plan here. And the gospel was about to go forth in power. An example I can give you here is, let's say we all planned a mission trip to another country or even someplace in this country, right? And and we would all gather together and pitch in all the things that we needed, and then we would head out on our mission, right? Once we got there, we would set up shop, and we would work together for the common good of the people we're trying to reach. We would make sure that each of us was well-equipped, and we would go out and accomplish our mission. And this was what was taking place here in the early church. Believers were gathered together for a common purpose, and they lived very simplistically. It wasn't all about them, right? It wasn't all about them, you know, buy, sell, and get gain. They were seeking the will of the Lord. And verse 46 says, 
continuing, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Wow, you see, they had favor with all the people. People loved them around them. Now, eventually, of course, they're going to go on. We're going to see they're going to be crucified. Excuse me, they're going to be uh, persecuted. Some of them will be crucified, right? But that was the religious folks that were doing that, those that thought they were upsetting the apple cart of their religion, right? But, you know, in order to see the moving of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. We must be like-minded. We must be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We must be equipped with sound doctrine. We must be fellowshipping. We must be encouraging one another, gathering together. It says that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were not bogged down with the cares of this world. They had food, they had clothing, they had shelter, and they were content. And for you and me today, again, if the cares of this world has consumed us, then we need to get refocused on the things of the Spirit of God and seek God and ask Him for the empowering of His Holy Spirit upon our lives. Now again, I, I know that this was a little bit longer study, but you know, it's only an hour out of our week. And, this is, and if, if this is the only time we spend in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of His Word, then we're going to become weaker and weaker. So I really encourage you, Seek the Lord. Seek Him and ask Him to open the eyes of your heart to what the Holy Spirit desires within your heart. And surrender your life to Him. And if you haven't come to that place in your life where you've done this, I invite you to do so today. It's very simple. Just fall on your knees and cry out to the Lord. Begin to study His Word. If you have questions, you need help, if there's anything that I can help you with, you can contact us at info at aloveoutreach.com or my personal email is pastordave at aloveoutreach.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you all for coming out, and thank you to those of you that will listen to this recording in the future. May God bless you.